So in looking at these businesses, it was the same. There's operations of the business. We can create procedures on how we do everything. And it was a lot more simple than what I did on a day-to-day. And going back to the value creation, it's like, holy crap, I can increase the value of this property by this much. The amount of equity that we were able to create in 18 months was more than I made in my job in six years. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. Okay, Dan Shearmeyer, it is time. Are you ready to rumble, my friend? Let's do it, man. Man, excited to finally have you on. It has been a long time coming. You and I have been adjacent friends for about a year now. We've been talking just about every single week. We have this little group chat that was created haphazardly and all of us go in and just talk about financial freedom and stuff like that. And it's been cool to see that grow and see all the different diverse streams of income in there. And then you come in and you're like, hey, guys, I bought a car wash. And we're like, what? (laughs) So... You, my friend, are the first official car wash owner that I personally know. So I feel honored. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So today I want to get into your backstory, get into how you went from residential real estate to commercial real estate and into cash flowing businesses, because you followed a pretty cool trajectory that I think is really repeatable for anybody at any stage of the real estate investing journey. Give them your backstory about how you worked for NASCAR and walk us through that process from that job to getting into the residential real estate. All right. I grew up in Vermont, went to school in Rochester, New York. I went to RIT, went to school for manufacturing engineering because thought that was a good degree to have. I knew it was easy to find a job and make money. Graduated in 2012, worked for a big aerospace company for five years. They moved me all over the country, which was awesome because I didn't acquire a bunch of stuff. So it was easy to move. Also gave me some great experiences because I had to move to new cities where I knew no one. So it pushed me outside of my comfort zone, but also showed me that there's a ton of cool areas in the country. But then I hated corporate, like you that sick of being just a number to the CEO. So quick corporate with no plan. I call it my quarter life crisis, which just skydiving <laughs> full time in the meantime. And then I wanted to move to Charlotte or Austin. My brother was in Charlotte and I had a bunch of friends in Austin and ended up coming down to visit my brother. Went on a bike ride, met who became my boss, went in for a super casual interview, like shorts and t-shirt. And he wanted somebody that was outside of racing to come in because in the NASCAR team I worked for, they made 85% of the car in-house. So he wanted to bring like the aerospace uh, procedures and everything into the NASCAR manufacturing side. So I did that for six years. But when I moved here, just always trying to live cheap, not have my housing expense be the my highest expense every month trying to live cheap. So I was trying to just find a house to rent with a bunch of people. One of my friends was a real estate agent. He's you can probably get a house and your mortgage will be cheaper than rent. And that's what I did. I found a townhouse, two bedroom. Uh, My mortgage was like 700 bucks with the HOA, super cheap. Ended up having a buddy live with me. So I was house hacking before I knew what it was. And then I just fell into bigger pockets and just started following that stream. Bought a duplex a year later, FHA loan, house hacked that. Basically lived for free for two years. Then two years after that, I bought the townhouse I live in now, had some roommates, but live by myself now. 
and then fell into the commercial thing, which kind of, my brother is the one that kind of, he saw a car wash for sale and he's like, I got to figure out how to buy this. Cause I had been doing the real estate. I kept talking about it. So we started to look into it and we were able to make that happen. All right. So $700 mortgage. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Where did this $700 mortgage come from? Did you put 20% down for your first one? I put 12% down and I bought a townhouse. It was $108,000. Uh, I should go actually under contract to sell it today for two twenty-five. dollars So I've owned it for five years, coming on six years. I essentially have no money left in the deal because I've had a tenant for since 2018 in it. So just over four years. So yeah, that's, I'm going to walk away with some good cash there that I can hopefully put into another deal. But yeah, real estate in Charlotte in 2017 was cheap. Yeah, man. I like how you went about it. You went about it in a really repeatable, traditional way where you just looked at the rent, you looked at the mortgage and you said, whoa, hold on a second. There's a yeah. discrepancy here. Yeah. That's kind of how it was for me, man. For my first house hack, you and I did the same thing in the beginning where I just I was buying a little bit bigger houses. So I bought yeah. the five bed uh, four bathroom houses, split level, and basically renovate them into duplexes. Nice. So it was the same thing. I was paying 1700 for an apartment. Then I got a roommate. And then at that point, I went and I was just like, oh, hold on a second. I could pay a mortgage that's like 1400 <laughs> yeah. And I could own the house, like the yeah. entire house yeah. and rent out other rooms. I was like, this is a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. So how long did it take for you to save up that first down payment? So I still, I had some pretty good savings for my first job. I didn't just quit and go spend all my money and then came down and was making decent money. So I had that nest egg already saved up. And like I said, it wasn't a crazy amount because the house was pretty cheap. I think it's funny how it's like you, you were aggressive, but also pretty risk tolerant at the same time. Like you're yeah. a guy that's a like a full-time skydiver working aerospace, NASCAR technology, and also buying car washes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a you're doing you're everything in a box, man. <laughs> so you buy the first couple of houses, very repeatable, just one a year. It's a very repeatable and easy way to attain massive levels of wealth. It's just yeah. over and over, rinse and repeat. That was my initial plan was to just yeah, keep, yeah. buy a house, one house every year or two for five to 10 years. And I knew I'd have a portfolio then, and then I could do something big, but I didn't know what that big was at the time. Yeah. And that's what I tell people is it's just, everyone gets so lost in the how and they get lost in the weeds that they fail to take any action whatsoever. Yeah. So if you just look one step ahead and you just keep doing it over and over again, all of a sudden you look up one day and you're like, Oh, this is sexy now. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So walk us through your transition into commercial. As the car wash. Got um, it. So I bought my last residential house in May of 2020, and we had already started looking at the car wash at that time. And so how it came about, my brother literally drove by this car wash that we've seen a million times. There was a broker sign for sale, and he's, my brother knew some people in Florida that had owned them and knew that they made money. So he, he's like, i got to figure out how to do this. And we obviously didn't have the cash right there to put it down, but we inherited the house that was fully paid off in Vermont. So somebody else that I talked to in, in the past was like, man, you have a ton of equity just sitting there not doing anything. So he kind of put that bug in my head. And then I went to my brother. I was like, we can do a cash out refi, pull cash out of that house. Still only 50% loan to value. So it's not like super risky on that house. And we'll use that as a down payment. So that was the start of it. I was like, sweet, we have a source of money. I called the broker and was like, hey, me and my brother both have full-time jobs, both have good credit. This is how we would come up with the down payment. And he's, yeah, here, here's a lender. Reach out to him, see if he thinks he can close the loan. And that was the start of it. Talk to the lender. And they're like, yeah, we could probably do that. 
So I was like, all right, cool. Let's look into this business. I was about to say, did you even look at the numbers? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. You're just like, oh, car wash. Yeah. Hell yeah. No. I'm so in. we had looked at the financials and it definitely made sense. And then, but needed to talk to the lender because I didn't, I was used to residential loans. I knew what the interest rates were there. I had no idea what the interest rates were, like what I could qualify for, what the interest rate would be on a commercial loan. So we ended up doing an SBA loan. I only had to put 10% down, but I was able to figure out what the commercial debt was going to be and then compare that versus the financials and was like, all right, yeah, this definitely, this business can make money. Worst case scenario, if the car wash functions as it is, it can pay the debt service that I'm going to get for the commercial loan and cover the cash out refinance that I'm going to do on the house in case that house wasn't rented out. So that was like the worst case scenario would be break even. That's what I was noticing. Our mutual friend, Sean, he bought cash flow business. He bought Roosevelt's terrarium. So he bought a terrarium yeah. store for people that don't know. It's basically these little glass jars where you build little mini ecosystems in them. Yeah. But anyways, so when we're paying off mortgages, you have like your principal pay down and the interest. So we had the principal pay down and then that adds to your net worth, right? Yeah. So with each one of those residential properties, I noticed I'm like, okay, each month I'm paying off five to $600 of principal. And then that goes towards my net worth. But then Sean buys the business and he's paying off like $2,000 of debt service or like $3,000 of debt service each and every month through the cash flow of the business. And he was like, okay, my net worth is increasing like $3,000 a month. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was interesting. The principal payment on a commercial loan is definitely much bigger than a residential so can you go a little bit into the differences between residential and commercial loans? Walk us through the SBA loan process, and then we'll get into how you analyze the deal to make sure it was a good deal. Yeah, I've given this before at like real estate meetups. With a residential loan, if you're buying an investment property or just a personal house, I feel like they look where you're going to get the money from, but they don't go pull. like They pull your credit so they can see all the debt you have, like car payments and other mortgages and stuff. But they don't go try to pull every bank account, every credit card, every 401k account. For a commercial loan, one of the first things you have to do is fill out a personal financial statement. So it's basically putting your net worth on paper so that the bank can see who the person is that's or who the partners are that are trying to get the deal. And then in the past, commercial interest rates have been lower. Using the SBA, a conventional commercial loan, you usually have to put 25% down at least. But with the SBA, they have options where you can put 10 to 20% down. So you can put less down. Now there are some fees and there are some prepayment penalties with the SBA. There's a 2.75 origination fee. So on a million dollars, that's $27,500. So that just gets added to the loan. But then again, you don't have to put as much down. So it's more appealing. Yeah. And then the cash on cash is way better at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Walk us through that process because I know it to a limited extent. I remember when I was attempting to buy a laundromat before I was partnering with a gentleman who's been on the show as well, Nigel. And we were going about the SBA loan process and we were looking at different options and different ways of going about it. And kind of his ideas behind it, at least, were that the process to get the SBA loan were so backed up because of the offices and because of everything that was going on with like litigation and legislation that uh, that's what we were using to push to sell or finance the deal. So he yeah. was like, look, like I can give you this SBA loan. I could do this SBA loan to buy your business, or we could sell or finance this and then not have to wait these months and months. We can close in 30 days. That was yep. a point of leverage we were using. Were you running into, into that too? Or did you even attempt a seller finance conversation? 
not with the car wash, because to be honest, I didn't really know what seller financing was at the time or how to leverage it. And we definitely ran into, I think we went under contract in June and we didn't close until September. So we went under contract yeah. for 60 days, but we had to do two two 30-day extensions because part of it was COVID. Like Our appraisal was like seven weeks out when we ordered it, which it sucked to have to push extensions. We had to put more money down. But by the time we got to those points, we knew the deal was good and we're pretty sure that the lending was locked up so we definitely it was a little scary because you had to put a lot of money down up front which just goes to closing but if you don't close then you lose the money so what was the purchase price of the car wash Eight hundred twenty-five thousand. okay so, so y'all had to put down eighty-two thousand. yeah yeah we put ninety thousand down with some of the fees and then the bank made us have 40 grand in the bank just for operational Reserves. costs equipment and everything especially being our first commercial business they wanted us because originally we were going to try to put more down so our payment was lower, but they, the bank wanted us to do it the other way around. So on a commercial loan, you have to put up your balance sheet. What Do you know specifically what they're looking for in your balance sheet and in your net worth to be able to get like X amount of loan? Do you need a percentage of loan to like net worth? How does that work? So I haven't done any massive deals, but I do know that the partners that are buying it have to have a net worth higher than what the loan you're getting is. For the car wash, we, me and my brother combined had to have a net worth of over 825000 which combined, combined we did. So that makes sense. So for people listening to this, if you don't let that shy you away from commercial real estate or from buying cash flow businesses or doing any of these commercial loans, what you do to overcome this or to bypass this is you simply get a partner that has the balance sheet. Yes. Like that's it. So you yes. have the partner that's got the assets, they've got the balance sheet. What normally means is that you're going to have to be the hustle in the deal. You're going to have to be the one that goes out, bird dogs, makes the cold calls, does the mailers, does the door knocking to be able to get the deal like Dan did here with the sign. So can you walk us through the underwriting process of the car wash? Because I know nothing about this. So when you're looking at the financials of your car wash, the P&L, can you walk us through what these expenses and income statements look like and what you were looking for that screamed this was a good deal? Yeah. First on the income side. So our we have a self-service wash. So it's five self-service bays, six vacuums, and then one in-bay automatic, which is like you pull your car in and then the machine moves around your car to wash it. So those are the different income streams on the income side. So it was the self-service uh, and then the automated. One thing with the automated is we had the car count of how many cars came through a month. And then we knew what the pricing was. So it was there's four different wash packages from six to ten dollars. So just by calculating how many cars come through a year, you could kind of assess like, hey, if we raise prices $2, the average price is going to go up this much. There's an extra $10,000 we can add to the income side, which doesn't really create that much more expense. It's a little bit more water, a little bit more chemicals. So we saw one opportunity there. On the expense side, we saw that they spent basically no money in advertising. So we knew we could take advantage of that, whether it be social media or local events, things like that. So we knew there was opportunity there. What was another thing? They had not a huge budget on meals and like entertainment, just going out to dinner. You could basically cut that out. So that was something that we got to decrease from the expenses, which made the NOI higher. Uh, and then they had some like one-time repair and maintenance stuff that they had done in the past few years, which we probably won't have to do for quite a long time. So their repair and maintenance cost was higher than what it really averaged out to be. So we knew that would decrease on the expenses side. So basically the pro forma we did for the first year 
the business looked like it was going to make like ten to fifteen thousand dollars more with the same amount of customers. And that was when we looked at that versus the debt, we knew that the business worst case scenario would still probably make a little bit of money. And so then, what so you had a little bit of built-in margin when you were yeah. taking it down. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What were the net cash flows looking like? So when we I'm trying to remember. When we looked at it, my pro forma was that I was going to bring in like 125000 a year in expenses. I don't remember the total, but that it was going to bring in about, the NOI was going to be about $72,000. So that was the start. And then another thing I didn't mention is location of the wash. Another mm-hmm. big thing is just like the town we bought it in. There's so much expansion coming. There's a massive rec center that just got built next door like big white, like a, basically a YMCA. There's an apartment complex being built on the street. There's four more apartment complexes and housing developments that are within a mile. So those were not other things where like the traffic count on this road is only going to go up was another thing that we felt like we have to get, if you get 1% of the customers that drive or 0.1% or 0.5%, that's another, that's a lot of traffic that comes through the car wash in a year. Yeah. And so you bought it at, it looks like about almost like a 12x multiple of revenue. Yeah. And it's still a good deal. Yeah. So what determines the multiples on, because I know we just did a call on like laundromats about what determines the multiples. What determines the multiples for a car wash? So this is something I learned after the fact and, and going through a refinance. When you go to the bank to get like an appraisal on the car wash, the bank is looking at the real estate value, so the land, the building, and the equipment. So how much value you have there. They aren't looking at as much on the how much it does in cash or like how much it does in sales because the bank wants to know if the business goes belly up that they can get their money back. Um, got it. So you so, got the building and the land with the deal. Yeah. Yeah. We that's like, huge. Okay. Yeah. It's not just the business. And that's that was something as we started going through the underwriting that we're like, I wouldn't have bought the business and not own the land just because it wouldn't have made sense of that number. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was the first thing that you, as soon as you said that I immediately was like, this guy just bought this at 11 X, no. <laughs> 11 X multiple, man. I no. was like, Whoa. So no, that makes way more sense. Cause you have the real estate with it. So what was the real estate part valued at? When we bought it, I want to say it was like, 250,000 and I think it's gone up to 4 or 450,000. Oh dude, that's a just, freaking home run. Just the land, yeah. So you buy this car wash, how much between the time of you and your residential real estate investing journey, you and your job, between this time and like you closing on this car wash, like how much how much due diligence, like how much training did you do? How much research did you do on car washes or was this really just like a picket sign? call them. Hey, bro, you feel like having car wash or washed cars for the rest of our lives perpetually? And you're like, <laughs> so, absolutely, dude, let's make some money while we're doing it. <laughs> another part of the due diligence was like, and I should have said this earlier, is like one of the first things we did was we, me and my brother both still had full-time jobs when we were buying this. So we wanted to know that we could handle the, how much effort it took as a side hustle, not having to be there all the time. So the old owners were awesome. We did a call, asked them like how much time they spent on it. And then they actually met us there and gave us a tour one day, kind of showed us like what they do on a daily, what some of the things they have to do. And my brother's a professional dirt bike mechanic. So like he can fix anything. And I know more of the back admin side and the numbers. 
So we looked at each other and talked about it and we're like, yeah, we can definitely handle this with what we got going on in our lives. So that was another part of the due diligence that I should have mentioned. Dude, no, that's huge. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. That's massive that you did that because you have profit, which is like revenue minus expenses, but then you have true profit, which is revenue minus expenses minus headaches. Yeah. So you did the huge part where you were like, okay, let me see how this bakes into the lifestyle that I actually want to lead. People yeah. listen to what Dan just said there and take note of that because we are trying to build lives of freedom. We don't want to buy another freaking J-O-B. We don't want to do that. Yeah. So- so you buy this car wash. Can you walk us through maybe in 30 seconds to like a minute and a half? Walk us through this journey of just if somebody's looking to buy a small business through the process of getting the loan of like from contacting the broker. Can you walk us through step by step what that looked like just so somebody has an understanding of what they're about to get into as they go through this process? Yeah. So this to start is have your personal finances in order, know what a perfect financial statement is so that you can put it together. And then from there, you can reach out to an SBA lender or like your local bank that does conventional loans and talk to them and see, they can probably give you like what they think they could loan up to on your own personal financial statement, or if you have a couple partners, and then you can see what you could possibly get for a loan or what you could qualify for. And then you can start looking at businesses, obviously look at businesses and look at the time that's going to be associated with them. Yeah. Okay. Sweet, man. Yeah. I, but I was just yeah, going to say like any of your local lenders, small community banks, a lot of them do conventional loans. Some of them specialize in SBA loans. Some of them, some of them want, like we've had to find a few banks to refinance because some banks don't deal with car wash because it's a specialty business. But other banks, like when we did storage, the lender we used has a division just for self-storage. Got it. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you've got this new commercial loan. You've got this, you've got the property, you've got the car wash up and running. And you said that you had a lot more fun figuring out how to add value through NOI for valuation and your commercial loans. Talk to people about how that works in your commercial loans and commercial valuations. Yeah, a lot of commercial businesses, like multifamily stores, they're all valued on a cap rate. So that's basically your NOI divided by the cap rate gives you the purchase price, or I forget the equation the other way around. But uh, so basically, what we bought our car wash at was a 8.75 cap rate. After a year of running it, and just looking at what our NOI got boosted up to, dividing it by that same cap rate, you saw that the value of the property went up. So it's like, sweet. These couple little things I did, a couple improvements, which is just, hey, I answer the phone and give somebody a refund if they had a bad experience or there's an issue and I fix it to get that customer to come back. Those are little things that just kept the place busy, increasing sales, which is increasing the NOI. So our value just went up. So I was like, in a year, we created a couple hundred thousand dollars just by running the business properly and fixing things and making small improvements. And so you're so walk us through again. What are the couple of levers that you pulled? You said starting any marketing at all. Is that what other levers can you pull with a car wash to add some extra additional revenue so you can get that NOI up and that valuation up? So one of the big things was just like Google my business. So when somebody puts in Google car wash near me that you show up, that was a big thing. Our traffic on that went from like five thousand a month to thirty thousand a month. So nice. it's being available making sure all the equipment ran because sometimes you go and the soaps won't come out the right way, making sure that we fixed the automated a little bit, had to buy a couple parts and made that thing run like the way it was supposed to. Um, 
what else did we do? Put a new sign up. So just if you drive down the same road every day, you couldn't probably couldn't tell me what businesses are actually on that road unless you use them. So we put a new sign with a new logo that stuck out. I think that just caught people's eye. So it was just small things like that for the first probably year. And then some of it was adding, we added credit cards to our vacuum. So we made our site a completely cashless site. So that just made it easier for customers. Validated credit card processing companies, which saved us fees. And then it made it more convenient for the user or the customers because then they only get one credit card charge. Not if they swiped here, they'd get a charge. They swiped here. It's just everything within a few hours gets bundled into one charge. Nice. And people listening, remember from residential real estate, your valuation is determined by what Susie down the street sells her house for. (laughs) Yes. So if she craps the bed, you're out of luck. But with here, you can consolidate your credit card processors. You can do all the stuff that Dan's saying and then instantly increase your balance sheet, your net worth, your cash flows, your valuation. It's insane, man. So now how long have you guys owned it? So we bought it in September of 2020. So two and a half years. And has that cash flow increased now from that original 82,000 that you guys were projecting or? Yeah, quite a bit. It's not quite double, but it's getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you guys, so, so now you guys are basically bringing in 80K net cash flow each. I'm, I'm assuming you're splitting it 50-50? Yeah. So after debt service, it's not that high, <laughs> but the NOI is almost doubled from what we bought it at. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you do it through one freaking purchase. Man, I love that. So after the car wash, you've got this and then you go into the self-storage then, correct? Yes, but it all happened pretty quick. So we went, we bought the clothes on the car wash in September 2020. And what led us into looking into storage was literally just consuming information. Like I heard AJ Osborne talking about storage. The same broker that we used by the car wash sent me a storage facility. And he sent it to me a couple of weeks after we closed. And I was like, I don't, I don't have time for this. I can't qualify for another loan. There's no chance. <laughs> this guy is uh, like, all right. <laughs> and then, so it was like November of 2020. I heard the podcast, started looking to it, read AJ's book. And I was like, huh. So what started looking at the financials of the storage business. I was like, man, this is, looks like a good deal. How the hell could I buy it? One caveat that I have to say, which we really lucked out on, which is why we were able to buy storage without any outside investment, was because everybody was getting their stimulus checks during COVID. So part of the CARES Act with the SBA is that they were covering the first six months of principal and interest payments, not like completely forgiven. So we bought this car wash and had to have a bunch of reserves because the bank wanted us to, not knowing that we weren't going to have to pay a mortgage for six months. Didn't know this. We That was just luck from action. So now we had a bunch more money. that So we'd started operating the car wash and we're like, okay, now we understand the equipment a little bit better. What could go wrong? I don't need to have this much cash in the bank for the car wash. So we were able to take some money out of that. And then we still had other money. Started looking into the self-storage through AJ's Osborne's podcast. He had a lender on. I called the lender. I was like, hey, I just did the biggest purchase of my life. Could I even qualify for another loan? He's like, yeah, with SBA products, you can get up to $5 million in SBA loans at once, not all in the same business. <laughs> so that started the holy crap, we might be able to do another business by ourselves. And then, so did you do the same analysis though, where you're like, okay, how much time is this going to take out of my day? And then yeah. are you still working your day job while you're doing the car wash and the self-storage? Yeah. Yeah. It was a busy, it was a busy 18 months, but so yeah, we analyzed it at a self-storage facility. There's way less like the profit and loss statement is income. 
And then your expenses are utilities, electric, and mowing the lawn. Like the PL is a lot more simple. And then we just we had the unit mix and saw that the place was way undervalued. It was mom and pop owner, pen and paper, everything. Uh, so we started looking into management softwares, knew that we could probably do most of the management remotely. We were able to tie our gate to our management software. So if people don't pay, they get locked out. And this was all just by doing research and seeing what these management softwares could do. So we were like, cool, another business that we can do that's going to take less time than the car wash that we can still handle with our schedules. Dude, so what do you think is it about you? Because you're a mechanical engineer. I would like if I didn't know you, I would peg you as someone that was slower to take action, right? Somebody that's probably going to analyze things a bit more, maybe person, maybe a person that's more prone to analysis paralysis than the average person just because of your analytical background. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you think it is about you or or maybe you and your brother combined? Maybe it's because you guys are doing it as a team. What do you think are the differentiating factors that keep you from being that statistic of people that aren't taking action? I think part of it was like the jobs I've had. I worked a lot in operations. So I was in manufacturing. So I wasn't sitting there designing parts. I was actually like out on the floor making shit happen, seeing where stuff was, who where people needed parts to make more parts. So it was a lot of being involved, seeing where cost is. So in looking at these businesses, it was the same. There's operations of the business. We can create procedures on how we do everything. And it was a lot more simple than what I did on a day-to-day. And going back to the value creation, it's like, holy crap, I can increase the value of this property by this much. The amount of equity that we were able to create in 18 months was more than I made in my job in six years. So all this has transpired over the last 18 months? So September of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So two years. So in two years of some concentrated effort. What does your cash flow look like now between all of this? So we only take a, a small distribution from the businesses, like super conservative because we're still new to it. But my cash flow a month with my rentals, and the rentals are mine personally, is probably like 35, 3,600 a month. I'm simple, single. Like I don't cost a lot to live. I'm 33, don't have a lot of risk. I don't have a lot of personal debt, like college loans and stuff. I paid all that off as soon as I could out of school. So... It's like, I'm going to take the risk. Why not do it right now? Because the worst case scenario is I have to go get another good paying manufacturing job. And then I'm back in the workforce and I would just start over and save money and be good and try it again. Dude, you're exactly like what we're talking about on the show, man. That's freaking awesome, dude. So yeah, I mean, that's why we gravitated towards each other. We're in a freaking Instagram message group that talks 24-7. Hey, <laughs> dude, it's hilarious because the same, dude. It's just like, for me... I was like, okay, cool. What skill sets do I have? Enterprise sales, B2B and B2C. So I'm like, okay, if I fail, if I fall flat on my face and just go bankrupt, I would just get a six-figure sales job. Yeah. Okay. I can swing for the fences here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had to go through like in going through Ascend, going through some coaching is like, man, I don't know. I'm scared of the money. Like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to have enough cash flow to live. And then I forget who it was, but they're like, literally write out the worst case scenario. Like what would happen for you to have to fail for your businesses to fail? And it's like, I'd have to get addicted to drugs and get fat and out of shape and like this. And that's not going to happen. That's not who I surround myself with. So it was like, it was definitely trying to overcome. Well, I don't think I can make this happen. And then now I haven't had a real job in five months and I have no, I'm not scared that I need to get a job again. Yeah. Dude, I love it. So what's next for you, man? Because now on our continuum that we talk about on the show, it's like you go like past captive income, passive income, passionate income. 
So it's like you're getting into the zone right now where you're moving up. Like you said, you're taking small draws as owners of the business so that you can just reinvest in the business and build up your ward chest for more acquisitions. You're in the acquisition growth mode. I get it completely. Yeah. But uh, zoom out three, five years, man. What's your thing? What's your jam? What are you trying yeah. to do? So obviously I want to travel and have more time to myself. Um, I am going to, I'm selling in the process of selling my first townhouse. I'm actually selling it to my tenant. So off market deal. That's awesome. Less closing fees, but I have a good amount of equity in it. So the goal is I'm going to put it into a 1031 fund. And then as soon as that actually goes under contract, I'm going to dig down and try to find another storage facility that I could purchase or possibly another car wash if it's local. I just see storage is more scalable. So I'm really going to dig down once I know that the property is going to close because then I can essentially tr- start to put in offers. And then even if it doesn't work, then I'll still have a good amount of cash out of it, even if I do have to pay the taxes on it. And then who knows what's going to happen in the next year, but I still see that there's going to be more deals that come available just because interest rates going up, got people that wanted to sell their properties, missed out on the high prices that they thought they were going to get. So I feel like we're going to see some prices come down. How do you feel? How do you feel about the next six, 12 months? Like personally, I'm not worried about anything with either of our businesses. Even if the car wash was to go down in sales, like we have expenses we can decrease. I know that's still going to be plenty fine. And same with storage. There's like the Charlotte area is uh is still growing like crazy and prices are high for rent. So people are starting to move outside of Charlotte. And I live just north of Charlotte and our storage is a little north. So people are starting to move out those ways because it's cheaper to live. So there's still stuff going on. I definitely think there's opportunity. People we surround us ourselves would say that they don't do recessions. So in that mindset, yeah, just trying to see what I can do next. And yeah, like next three to five years is just, I want to create a bigger portfolio, grow the net worth, grow the monthly income or the monthly cash flow, but create the system so that I can have the time. So if it's a Tuesday and I want to go bike because it's nice out, I'm going to go bike. Or if I want to go to Europe for a month, I'm going to go to Europe for a month. Yeah, man, I love that. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of our friends are saying they don't believe in recessions. We got like the philosophers. You have Aristotle, you have Socrates, you have Drake saying he <laughs> y'all be going in and out recessions the same way I'd be going in and out of Texas. Hey, just like the smart <laughs> people, man. But no, dude, it's I'm excited. I'm yeah. really excited because here's my game plan. I think we we have a similar game plan. That's for people listening. I like wrapping all this up with a bow because when you zoom out and look at it in the macro, like you and I are doing the same thing, but like with different vehicles. Yeah. So everyone is doing the same pattern, the same journey, but it's just pick whatever your vehicle that you choose to get there. So it's like me and Dan are both like over on the East Coast trying to go to San Diego And we both got the GPS set. We're just driving in separate cars because for him, you're doing the self-storage. And for me, I'm like, I know that if I put all my eggs into this podcast, reinvest all my money back into the podcast, grow this to a million million downloads per month, that's a $500,000 net income stream for me. Yeah. Without any other back-end business. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, so that's why... Like people are asking, and I'm like, hey, this is what I do. This is my thing. And now we're building the community on the back end. So this is freaking awesome, man. And I appreciate you coming on, dude. Where can people find you and learn more about what you're doing? Social media. So Instagram, it's at Free Fly Kid. Facebook, it's just Dan Daniel Shearmeyer, either one of those, or they can shoot me an email, dan.shearmeyer gmail.com. Nice, brother. I appreciate you coming on, man. Long time coming. Yeah. Had fun. All right. Thanks for having me.
Thanks, buddy. With that's been Dan and Brian with the Action Academy podcast signing off. Hey, real quick, if you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two year vision with this show is to help over one million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.